I really just want somebody who's going to aggressively fight for me in court. Is that too much to ask? Filing an eviction should not be complicated. There's got to be an easier way. Nothing frustrates me more than having to wait for my attorney to call me back. I need them now. What I really need from my law firm is someone who can provide my staff training so we actually can stay out of trouble. When you have property management problems, we have your solutions. This is the Zona Law Group podcast with the experienced attorneys from Zona Law. Good afternoon. Welcome to our podcast. It is June 10, 2020. And my name is Matt Kogelmeyer of Zona Law, and I'm here with Mark Zinman of Zona Law. Welcome, Mark. Welcome, Matt. Good afternoon. Glad to have you with the esteemed Mark. <laughs> We're going to pick your brain a little bit today. I like that. It's a little odd being on this side of the table, so I, I like the change. Well, turnabout's fair play. <laughs> Listen, we've gone through a lot with this COVID. A lot of changes, a lot of things that have happened with our clients with the landlord law in particular, both on a state and federal level. Now we're coming down to our 120 days where we have to talk about what happens with Governor Ducey's executive orders, what happens with the CARES Act. So let's jump into this. Let's talk about Governor Ducey's executive order that was in effect for 120 days. When does that expire? So that started off on March 24th. And then that goes for 120 days, which if you're good at math, I'm, I may or may not be. Uh, you're looking at July 22nd. That expires. I think we're both on the same page with that. It looks like July 22nd. And he basically entered some orders pertaining to a moratorium on evictions. Why don't you explain that to us and what that is actually doing at this point and what we can expect after 120 days? Sure. So I think what's important to understand right off the bat, of course, is you have the CARES Act. People are like talking about the moratorium and everything else. That's separate than Governor Ducey's executive order. Governor Ducey's executive order applies to every single prop rental property in the entire state of Arizona. It's not a moratorium. You can serve your notices. You can file your evictions. You can go get your judgments. Governor Ducey's order simply allows the tenant potentially to delay, delay the writ of restitution if they've been affected by COVID. Now, that's quite a broad definition of if they've been affected by COVID. Um, Explain to us what happens when they claim that they're affected by COVID, what steps they've taken, and, and what's generally been the result. Sure. And you, you and I see this, obviously, on a day-to-day basis when we're handling evictions for our clients, which is tenants come into court, they go into arguing, well, they've lost their job, maybe they've actually had COVID-19, or somebody in their family has. At the eviction process, in the court process, it doesn't affect anything, right? It, the judgment is to proceed. That's not a legal defense to the non-payment of rent. However, when the writ is executed... When the constable goes to the property, talks to the tenant, says, hey, you need to leave, if the tenant presents some sort of evidence or just tells the constable that they're actually affected by COVID under one of those standards, the constable is not going to do anything. They won't throw them out. They'll return that to the court. And technically, at that point, the tenant's supposed to tell the landlord, hey, this is what I gave to the constable. I want my temporary delay. And then what's the next step? If the tenant claims that they've been evicted by COVID, the constable refuses to execute on the writ. What happens then? Well, that's where you and I come in. That's where we get the calls from the clients, of course, where they're saying, I don't understand. This has never happened before. Why won't the writ execute? And we explain the governor's orders and then explain your only right is if you think something's false in there or you don't think the tenant has truly negatively been impacted by COVID, you can file a motion to compel. And then it's no longer the constable. Then it goes to the judge. You have a hearing on that motion to compel, and the judge determines whether the person should be removed or whether they get to stay whether temporarily or potentially till the end of uh, the order on 
uh, July 22nd. And in this environment, that's been done a number of times, right? We've seen it a lot. I mean, we've had a lot of motions to compel. I mean, we're doing three to four a day at this point. We've been largely successful um, in addressing those issues. But again, we're not just bringing everyone that has no merit. I mean, if somebody's truly been affected, they have a right under that executive order. Right. And if there's a question, then you go ahead and let a judge decide. Exactly. All right. Now, as we come to the end of this, are there going to be any tailings, any uh, any fallout? Well, the good thing on the executive order, from my perspective, it's 120 days. It's on the delay, as we said, on the writ of restitution. Once it expires on the 22nd, for those landlords not affected by CARES, July 23rd goes back to normal business in terms of their law, their rights kick back in. Any case started after that point, you serve your notice, everything goes back to normal on that side. But but in the interim now, until July 22nd, there have been a lot of cases that have been filed, a lot of judgments obtained, and the writs are sitting there waiting to be served. Correct. And that's the question you and I get, of course, which is, uh, okay, well, I filed my eviction, I got my judgment, the writ was delayed, what happens now? And in that case, We've never seen anything in writing from the constables about this. The best advice we're giving from clients is what we're hearing from the courts is the constable has a backlog. They basically have a queue of all these writs. They know that they need to be executed. So if a constable went out, was told, you know, I'm affected by COVID and nothing else is done, the constable takes that writ back but doesn't return it. They've got a stack of those that they need to know. Come July 23rd, they're going to start going back and actually contacting the landlord saying, hey, is this person gone? Do we need to execute it at that time? So it's basically going to stand in line and wait. Yeah, exactly. And every one of us, the clients is like, how do I get first in line? We don't control that. That's literally, there is a queue. Somehow a system, the constables know that we're just not privy to. Yeah, perhaps they're taking it by date or whatever, but they haven't they haven't made us part of that conversation. Uh, correct. And until something's in writing, I never believe it anyways. But that's the story is that hopefully there's a line and they'll start going through those writs. Now we've had people say, hey, what about the 45 days that's required under the eviction rules to execute on a writ after the date of judgment? Uh, shed some light on that. Yeah. So the general rule, like you said, is you have 45 days after the date of judgment to request the writ be issued. Well, here you have two different issues. You have one, maybe you requested it to be issued within the 45 days, but the constable didn't do it. Or two, if you just knew your resident was affected by COVID, that you didn't even seek the writ. Um, our position is that the 45-day rule is waived, right? Because the courts opened up the floodgates. What was the change? Yeah, they said they suspended the rules. Yeah. And basically, the old rules don't apply while we're in this period of time. So it would make sense to me that this 45 days or the 60 days under the rule would simply not apply. Yeah, and I, and I think that's right. I think the... 45 day doesn't apply. So you have that extra time to order the writ as soon as the time comes up. I think we are advising clients though, that if you do want to get in that queue and you think the constable is going to go through that first, just file the writ now. If the constable doesn't execute it, it's fine. Then it goes in the order that they'll start executing those once uh, Governor Ducey's order expires. Let's say a client calls and says, my judgment is over 60 days old. We've had this 120 day moratorium or this, this executive order in effect but I would still like to execute on my writ. What would your advice be to them? Uh, you have two options. I mean, I think it's a good idea to execute on it. If once we pass the Governor Ducey's order and expires, let's say it's July 23rd, file the writ of restitution. Because that 45-day, ex- from our peer opinion, expires, I mean, is open now under the court rules, you can file it. Hopefully, it'll be executed. Worst case scenario, if the court say, no, it's too long, you can then refile an eviction at that point. Um, and the good thing is, if it's... Your old judgment's over six days old anyways. If you get a new judgment, that has the additional month's rent in there as well. And then you'll just go start a new case, get a new judgment, and then the writ can issue on that. 
So for expediency purposes, it would be easier just to have the writ executed on. But if that worst case scenario is what you're saying is get the judgment for the remaining amount that's due that, that accrued in the interim. Yeah, and that's what we'll see come August, obviously. All right. Uh, anything else with Doug Ducey's executive order? Uh, no, not. I mean, that's that's way it's shaping up. It, hopefully that it'll expire on the 22nd. Things on that side can follow like what we're talking about on uh, July 23rd. That seems relatively straightforward. Yes. Let's, let's let's throw something else in the mix that's a little bit more complicated, and that's the CARES Act. Now, the CARES Act had a 120-day window also, but there's a little twist to that. So uh, explain to us, what is that twist? What is, uh, what's the effect of this 120 days? What's going to happen after that? Yeah, so that's, that is the much harder one. And frankly, this is truly, without me getting on my, my own blocks and going off for hours and hours, this is the problem when federal law and the feds start toying with state law issues. Um, I think the CARES Act was not written very well personally and to clarify what your rights are um, for all landlords. But that's the true moratorium on evictions came from the CARES Act. And the CARES Act only applied to those properties that had federally backed mortgages, your Fannies, your Freddies, or that participated in the number of federal programs, Section 8, VAWA, those kind of programs. Um, and that said, you can't serve a notice to, notice to vacate during this 120-day period. But more importantly, you couldn't even file a non-payment of rent eviction. That's a true eviction moratorium which was from March 27th to all the way to July 25th, basically, do not file a non-payment of rent case. So the 120 days expires on July 25. Yes. And now a lot of people think that it's all over with at that point. They can do whatever they want. Is that the case? No, and I think that's kind of critical from our perspective, and obviously why we're here today is really to address what happens, because I think the CARES Act is really confusing. Um, what the law says, I got the language here. It says you can't even serve a notice to vacate until after that 120-day period. And then what happens? Is there some additional requirements? That's where everything gets even more and more vague, of course. So we really have looked at it, and there's three different interpretations. So the language itself says, after you serve the notice to vacate, you may not require the tenant to vacate the covered dwelling unit before the date that is 30 days after that notice. All right. Well, what does that really mean? You you can't require them to vacate. You can't file the case, or you can't uh, execute on the writ, or you just change up your notices what what are the options yeah let's, let's talk about the options and that's what i mean really as our jobs at zona law is to kind of lay out the options for the clients that's kind of what you and i talk about as most is how do we best advise our clients and what we, we typically go to. from conservative to the most uh, risky exactly okay which never necessarily makes me comfortable but the, sure. we lay it out for the clients i think there are three options the way we've kind of broken it down and figured it out the most conservative option which um, and I think will be the industry standard from on a national level as well as a state level, the most conservative approach is saying, okay, come July 25th, you can serve your notices, but it's not going to be a five-day notice. It'll be a 30-day notice. And once that 30-day notice expires from when you served it, then you can file your evictions. So the notices effectively will start the end of July, and then it won't be till the end of August that these properties that were governed by the CARES Act can then start filing their evictions. So you have that 30-day window under the statute. So there's two options. You could serve the normal five-day notice that we have and wait to file, or would you suggest that the five-day notice be modified to, say, 30 days? Yeah, I think that's a really good idea to address it, to actually specifically say we're not going to be filing or change it from a five-day notice for non-payment to a 30-day notice to non-payment. Because if you're going to approach it and follow that, what I believe will be the industry standard, um, you might as well be laid out for the resident 
as clear as possible, right? Sending them a five-day and then waiting 30 days doesn't help as much as actually telling them we're not going to file until 30 days. Seems there might also be some risk if a judge later on, if it became an issue in litigation, ruled that the requiring to vacate includes a notice to vacate, and then you're telling them five days when the statute says you've got 30 days. Yeah. So it seems like you're creating more problems if you don't change the notice. Yeah, the clear you can be, I, I always prefer. Um, so that's the first one. You serve your notice, but you have to wait the 30 days because it says you can't require them to vacate within 30 days. The other option, which I think still complies with exactly that language, because it says you can't require the tenant to vacate um, before 30 days. Well, the way I interpret that is as a second option, a bit riskier, if you will, would be a landlord wait till the end of July, serve their notices, they could file their evictions, they could get their judgments, but not execute the writ of restitution until after 30 days, because that's when you, quote, require the tenant to vacate the property. Right. And so if you're reading that literally, and that's one of the things you had mentioned earlier, the statute is probably is poorly written. Yeah. And you're not alone in that opinion. There's a lot of people out there that a lot of good legal minds think, hey, it was rushed and it probably wasn't well thought out. And we don't have the clarity that we would love to have. So no question. Op- option number two, it looks like it might pose a little bit more risk. But it is an option if you wanted to go out a little more aggressive. Yeah, and I think there's strong language in there as to why that's a, an appropriate way to go, but it is more risky. And w- when we're saying risk, what is the risk? Well, the risk would be you'd be violating the CARES Act, and then you potentially have uh, penalties under federal law. Yeah, I'm not one that ever wants to obviously violate federal law. It's not a good way to go. We try and advise clients not to violate federal law. Or to violate any law. I think that's under our oath. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're, we're not going to encourage that. It does It does scare us. Um, now, you can actually get a little more aggressive with this, with the third option. Yeah, so the third option is the way the, the statute's written, it says you can't issue a notice to vacate until the end of the period. Well, from our standing, a notice to vacate is not a non-payment of rent case. So if you wanted to go the riskiest, you take the position that, okay, a notice to vacate under any law is not a a non-payment of rent. Therefore, you can serve your non-payment of rent. You can file your eviction. And that 30-day period doesn't even apply because that applies to, you know, non-renewals, notice to vacate. This is really a non-payment of rent issue. How do you think how solid is that one? I like, I mean, I actually like the argument, um, but it is more risky because then you can, if you go into the legislative intent of what Congress wanted, maybe that's not what they wanted, but the way they wrote it, I think there's an argument that that's actually true. Sure. And there's a lot of arguments on both sides with option one, option two, and option three. But what I'm hearing you say is there are probably less risks under option one. Yes. And I do think that's going to be the industry standard um, moving forward. And again, it's a question of what risk tolerance is for a landlord. We right. don't, we're here as counsels, right? We advise. That's our job. It's up to the client as to how much risk they would like to take. Correct. And some are more conservative, some are more aggressive. So um, let's talk about something else. We're looking now at, there have been hearings today on a federal level concerning the eviction issues in the United States. Uh, shed some light on that. Yeah, so there are, there are hearings going on day in and day out today. I, I listened to that hearing, uh, the Subcommittee for Housing Development uh, Insurance, and they're ones that a lot of this stuff comes out of on the federal level. And they had experts come on and testify as to what all, all the impact of was the CARES Act. Um, there's a proposal called the HEROES Act out right now, which doesn't seem to be getting a lot of traction. But basically, what's going on in our, in our country now across the board? There is still talk of another stimulus package. There's still talk of how 
COVID-19 is affecting landlords, how it's affecting tenants. And so beyond what you and I are discussing today, I think there is a concern of, we don't know what the feds are going to do yet. And so while we're talking about July 23rd, 25th right now, we, we really have to wait and see. Well, even the CARES Act came as a surprise to a lot of us with the moratorium. I think you're the one that was thumbing through the act and finally found the moratorium. And That's what I do it. on weekends, you know. <laughs> Exciting weekends. Uh, and, you know, lit it up like a torch and everybody started saying, oh, my gosh, how do we deal with this? And so uh, since it was passed, we've all been reading it, all been dealing with it, even as, as late as today. We're still reading it, trying to figure out what it means to see what we can advise clients to do and what would be the best route for them. Um, so, you know, we're, what you're saying, we're also looking at potentially another moratorium. I mean, anything's possible. I think nothing is off the board. What I've heard, um, from insiders is that their Congress on a national level is looking at anything. Governor Ducey, I think still hasn't ruled anything out just because of the spike in COVID-19 here in Arizona right now, um, that we really have to stay on top of it. I guarantee you, I mean, very Cheap pitch, I'll tell you. We'll be back here for a podcast if any new laws come out, of course. Probably in the next 30 to 40 minutes. <laughs> Could be. Exactly. All right, so let's recap a little bit. Uh, if a client was going to call you and say, listen, I know this thing is coming up uh, in July 25. We've got the federal moratorium that's going to be gone July 22. Governor Deuce's executive order is going to be expired. Uh, I want to start filing evictions again. I want to do it. What would you tell them? Yeah, so the question Every Zona client that calls in, our first question, of course, is, before I can advise you, are you governed by CARES or not? Because if they're not governed by CARES and you're just under Ducey's order, then July 23rd, theoretically, all new cases are normal, and it's just really processing the writs on the old cases. We're talking about the federally-backed loans and the the limited uh, scope under the CARES Act, which is actually quite broad. Yeah. And so if you go into the CARES Act, then, of course, you have those three things that we're talking about, which is you convert your five days to a 30-day, potentially, in which case... Notices can start going out July 26th, I believe, is a Sunday. So the next day, the next Monday, you serve your notices. You have to wait 30 days, file your evictions at the end of August. The second option, a bit riskier, which is you serve your notices, you file your cases, you wait on the writs. And then the third most aggressive, which is you take the position that the notice to vacate is not non-payment, and you simply proceed normal once that 120 days expires at the end of July. Perfect. All great information. Thanks for shedding light on all of this. Appreciate having you today, and uh, thanks for leading this one. This is great sitting in this chair. You get the, you get the hard work. This is kind of fun too. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, thanks for being with us. Uh, we hope you join us the next time here with Mark Zinman. Thank you, Mark, uh, and we'll see you all next time. Thank you.